You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. In Week 15, the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Houston Texans with an opportunity to clinch the AFC West, so we've got plenty to get to on today's show. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show as they've got some marinated takeaways from the Chiefs' win over the Denver Broncos. After that, it's out of structure. They discuss the Chiefs' struggles in Week 14 and how they can fix those things moving forward this season. After that, there was no great British Chiefs show this week, but I sat down with Show and BK member Ron the Show Hughley, who also covers the Houston Texans for Sports Radio 610 in Houston to get his take on this matchup in Houston. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast. They discuss the AFC playoff picture. And then after that, we will wrap things up with Show and BK discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball against this one-win Houston Texans team. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Oh, yeah, we're back. It's time for those world-famous marinated takeaways. John, did you know that there are some Chiefs fans that wait all week for this moment? Did you know that? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, yeah. Some of them are in my family, I think. But uh... Yeah, a couple of them in <laughs> your all... family, a couple of them not in your family is what yeah. I would tell you. And yeah. speaking of, of your world-famous marinated takeaways, you always go first on the show. We're going to keep up that weekly tradition what do you got for us i've got a whole i've got i filled up the entire back of an envelope here is that a scroll you can't Uh, see this but yeah well fortunately fortunately it's just a number 10 envelope instead of a manila envelope that you would send a contract in or something so for a second so you can't see john if you're just listening on the podcast but it, it looked like john just unraveled like a a scroll from the Legend of Zelda, which concerns me because he's only allowed three marinated takeaways, and it looks like there's a lot more on that page. But John, well, yeah, I, I have some extra stuff here in case things come okay. up while we're talking about the That's different good. ones. I, you know, I was struck um, after the game uh, on Sunday evening by how the Chiefs have won several games this year where they've had a negative turnover margin, as they did in Sunday night, Sunday afternoon's game. So I thought I'd look into that a little bit. Found some some interesting things here. Some nuggets. Um, in the last, during the time that Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback, I decided not to go back past 2018 because that's not really what we're talking about with the Chiefs right now. But since Mahomes has been in Kansas City, when the Chiefs have a negative turnover rate uh, margin, that is, yep. it's minus one or below, Kansas City is the only team in the league with a winning record. Every other team is below 500. Kansas City tops the list. Okay. I thought that was amazing. That's an amazing statistic. If the turnover ratio is zero, 
as many given up as taken away. Kansas City is fourth with a 14-5 and record since Patrick Mahomes has been the starter. When they have a positive turnover ratio, Kansas City is second since Patrick Mahomes came the starter. Their record is 32-2. and two. Oh, my. <laughs> Tell you what. So, you they know. Gotta, they got to practice forcing some more turnovers, sounds like to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I find interesting about that is I've, you know, I looked into this some years ago. I spent some time digging around in statistics, trying to figure out what the most predictive statistic was. And turnover margin is way up there. There's no yeah. such thing as a perfect statistic that will by itself predict whether or not a team will win a game. But turnover margin is way up there. When you get, you know, a minus two or three turnover margin, it's very difficult to win an NFL game. And yet, even when it happens, the Chiefs are winning these games. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yes, I think it's okay to be mad about some of the things that happen in the game on Sunday. But let's appreciate that if you want to complain about the coaching, okay, fine. But I think you have to have pretty good coaching to make a team that can do this, that can win even when things have gone badly with turnovers. I found that to be very impressive. Yeah, I think the negative turnover ratio in a winning record is is sort of stunning in, in a way. You can you can imagine just having Patrick Mahomes, if you're winning the turnover battle, you're just probably dominating, which sounds like was also the case. But that, that was a nice nice stat to, to dig up there. All right, I'm going to go with my first Mariner takeaway here. And I'm just going to be honest, guys. I'm just a man. I'm a, just a confused man. And I'll, ta- <laughs> I'll explain what I mean. So the Chiefs were up 27 nothing in the second quarter. And they, I believe they ran on the first down. And then the next play was the pad interception, right? So then it's 27-7. They get the ball back. They, they decide to run passing plays five straight times. So here's where, where I become confused, man, Pete. I don't get the thought there to, especially when Isaiah Pacheco is running as well as he is, I don't, I don't get the thought to pass as much as they do in that spot. However, and this is where it gets confusing, I also know one of the greatest Andy Reid complaints, consensus among Chiefs fans, has been over the years getting too conservative in moments like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's so early in the game, it's 27 to nothing. In this game, he was punished for not being conservative and passive, <laughs> but in a backward way, like it was progress in, in a weird way, mm-hmm. even though the results were damning. And so I don't know how to feel about it. Right. Because in and I, you know, in an isolation, like I, I know for a fact there were Chiefs fans yesterday that have probably complained about Andy Reid getting conservative, especially in the playoffs in, in his history. Mm-hmm. Th- those fans were probably upset that he was passing yesterday. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, as I'm watching the game, right, I'm, I'm a reporter, I'm a writer, I'm thinking that. I'm like, why, why are they passing? But hasn't this been the biggest complaint about Andy Reid over the years of, like, uh, taking the foot off the, the gas? So I don't even know if that's a, a true takeaway because it's it's, it's more just a – a feeling that I was having. It just felt confusing to me because I, I actually think that that was a, in a weird way, a good thing. I know the results didn't pan, but I, I, I think the process is what we've been looking for about Andy Reid for, for a long time. 
you have Patrick Mahomes pass the football, but you know, certain times and, and in these rare situations when he's not playing well, that it's it's going to be a bad thing. But I, I think overall it's a good thing. And the fact that they blew a, almost blew a 27 nothing lead would lead you to believe, well, no, no, it isn't. But it but it is that. And you know what I mean? That, that And that's where I'm at on that. Well, I, I've had very similar thought processes since the game yesterday. Uh, yeah. People have complained all the time about Andy Reid taking his foot off the gas. I mm-hmm. wish I could find out who said that the first time. I think I've expressed that before somewhere. Yeah. I wish I knew who was the first guy to say that because, or or woman, I guess it could be a woman, sure. who pointed out that Andy Reid took his foot off the gas because everybody says it now. You know, yeah. if if uh, if if teams come back and get and close a big Chiefs lead late in the game, people always say. Well, Andy Reid took his foot off the gas. And I, I completely agree with you. It's been a constant criticism of Reid. Um, people say it happened when he was in Philadelphia, and mm. it continues to happen in Kansas City, and it shows that he's let the game pass him by, so on and so on and so on and so on. And yet, on Sunday, yeah. people were mad because he was keeping his foot on the gas. I mean, right. there's really right. no other way to say it. And he said after the game that, you know, they knew they'd be facing a tough opponent in the division game, and they felt it was important to keep the pressure on. So that's what they were doing. And and I I kind of get it myself. I, you know, I think, you run up this big lead and they suddenly get a touchdown. You feel like you should answer it right away before halftime. They're going to get the ball I, to I begin think in the a, second half, you know? Yeah, I, I think in a ridiculous way was that – no, it's gonna sound. Nuts. I just think it was almost a, a good thing. Now, there's more that goes into it, like the way that Pacheco was running, and the fact that this Broncos team has not been able to score more than 13.8 points coming into the game. And so, I, I guess you really have to take in all the factors. But I just think, generally speaking, it's like, man, the frustration has always been too conservative. And then when he does go to more of an aggressive mode in a spot where maybe in the past he would have gone conservative. Now it's a problem because the results didn't pan out. Andy Reid, he didn't throw the picks, right? We also have this thing in Kansas City where no matter what, it's not Patrick Mahomes' fault. The end of that half was Patrick Mahomes' fault. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. that's okay. That is okay to say. doesn't mean he's not an MVP candidate. doesn't mean he's not the best quarterback to ever exist through 76 games of his career. The Chiefs were trying to stay aggressive, and Patrick Mahomes threw bad picks, right? That was the end of the half, and that's okay to say. All right, John, what's your number two marinated takeaway? Yeah, um, you know, this is back to more of people's reactions from the game. Uh, I've lost track of the number of people that I've uh, run across that have been pointing out that the Chiefs gave up uh, 28 points to a team that hadn't scored more than 23 all season and how terrible the defense must be. Well, I would just like to point out that the time that the Broncos scored 23 points, they lost that game because they gave up 32 points, the most they had given up all season. And the point that I'm trying to make here is that you can't look at these ball games, particularly between division opponents, right. as if they're going to play out like every other game of the season. In mm-hmm. fact, that other game was against the Raiders, right, right, a right. division opponent. And, you know, these games get into an ebb and flow. And, 
you know, I suspect the Broncos didn't come into this game thinking, oh, we're going to have to throw the ball and put up a bunch of points. No, they were thinking we need to stop the Chiefs from scoring. We need to keep the score low so that we mm-hmm. can keep up. And yet, you know, before the second quarter's over, um, they're down 27 to nothing to get an interception. Guess what they do? <laughs> they do what they can to score quickly, and they do. Uh, because they're operating outside of the zone the Chiefs expected them to be in. This is just the way it works. Right. If the other team scores a bunch of points, you got to figure out a way to answer that. And so you end up, you know, scoring a lot more points than you might otherwise. I, I just I, yeah. I get really bugged by this kind of criticism of the team. Um, you know, they won the game when they really had no right to win the game. You know, well, <laughs> you, you mentioned that that the 32 points came from the Raiders. And yeah. you know, we have to say when we're saying this with 34 points scored, the most against the Broncos this season, seven of those points came from Willie Gay. Yeah. Still, you're looking at what, 27? I always have, hate when I have to do math here. 27 <laughs> for the offense, <laughs> which is still pretty good against the, the Broncos defense. Absolutely. Especially considering you gave yeah. the ball away three times. Like, right. they not, which is atypical for Mahomes. He's only had two other games where he threw three picks. So, like, I, I I can understand the frustration because if they played like this against a good team, they they lose. I mean that's the that's the truth. But they sure they weren't. They were playing a bad team. Fortunately for them, their bad game came against a bad team. Now you have a couple weeks here to to you know get ready for what is going to be a tough AFC tournament. Um, my next takeaway, and I sort of mentioned this before, but I thought the Chiefs' young defensive backs were punished in a way, and their seasoning over the next four weeks would be the key to a championship. Much unlike, I think, a lot of Chiefs Twitter and a lot of hot takers that, that exist in Kansas City, the pass rush is, is starting to prove to be there. Now, it needs to be better against a particular uh, wiry opponent in Cincinnati. they got to figure out how to be better with the pass rush against Cincinnati. So I'm, I'm sort of taking that opponent out. It's tough to do. But I think where I'm at, and, and this is where, because I, I, I still think, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay are good. I still think they're growing. Now, could they've had a couple plays back here and there this year? Absolutely, right? Especially the open field tackling. Tackling as a whole needs to be better. My greatest concern are these young DBs. And I I I think I was excited about them. And I think I was maybe a little personally speaking, just speaking for myself myself, I think I was maybe a little personally a little too overconfident in how good they were looking mm, and how yeah. ready Joshua Williams was to, or it could be Jalen Watson, depending on how you go here, but just how ready they were to face what is going to be uh, elite competition. Jerry Judy has been waiting for the type of game that he had last night for his entire career at this stage. Yeah. They made, and he hasn't been able to do it and they made him look like an all pro. And I just, I wonder, because again, this is a bad Broncos team. If you look at the playoff schedule the way it is right now, John, and, and you know, bear with me here. So in the in the in the frame of reference of, of these young DBs who struggled last night, the Chiefs would be the number two seed and they would welcome in the Los Angeles Chargers into Arrowhead game one with a healthy Mike Williams and a healthy Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert looking like he is an all pro slash MVP of the league. Going by seeding, the next team, if they were able to win that game, would be Baltimore in the divisional round followed by Buffalo in the AFC title game, followed by the Philadelphia Eagles. Baltimore is running a backup right now and narrowly beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that could easily turn into Cincinnati. And so in this hypothetical scenario, your new road with these young DBs would be 
the Chargers with their two-man tandem. Cincinnati, we know about those three wide receivers. Buffalo with Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs and, and Knox. And then Philadelphia with Miles Sanders and then A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. They need to be better and grow to be better over the next four weeks or you're losing one of those games. And that, that, and that's and that's the reality. That's why what my mm-hmm. question to Andy Reid was, where are these guys at? He's like, mm-hmm. we need to work. Fortunately, they have four more weeks to work. Once they get to the playoffs, you're not rookies anymore. You know, it's great. And I know that's a football cliche, but they're going to need them to play like second year, third year pros if you're going to win that road. And this is where the transition year comes into the Kansas City. This is where they're going to be younger. This is where they're going to need Patrick Mahomes to not make the mistakes he did yesterday because these young guys will make mistakes in the playoffs. They can't make a ton of them or you're not going to you're not going to get out of the tournament. And that's it's it's a it's a tough thing to say. It's a tough thing to hear. It actually is an expected thing. I think they really like these young guys, but they they're young and they just need th- that experience. And so maybe they'll be better for last night um, and, and getting exploited a little bit by Jerry Judy and the Broncos. They ran the ball well. The offensive line, especially on the interior, uh, blocked well for for those guys on the ground. They were able to close it out at the end. So a lot of people will say, well, they didn't run the ball enough. Uh, mm-hmm. There was 23 total carries, 13 to Pacheco, 6 to McKinnon. They should have run the ball more. Well, what's interesting is, number one, Mahomes didn't run the ball this game at all. Uh, yeah. He had three carries, negative three yards, so that was just you know scrambling and getting tackled. Uh, so when Mahomes runs, it opens things up in a lot of ways, and, and that didn't happen this week. But also, uh, all the, the passing game effort from McKinnon, uh, seven receptions, 112 yards, and two touchdowns, you know, that's, as you know, an extension of the running game as well. And then finally, the game came down to it. It was a one-score game. They had four minutes left, and they run the four-minute drill, which is a perfect situation for it. You got a small lead. You can't give the ball back to them with a chance to do anything with it, although at that point the Denver office wasn't going to do anything anyway. But they ran the ball effectively, ran off the entire four minutes, and ended, ended up being able to kneel kneel down and get off the field and, and get out with a win. So some encouraging signs from the run game uh, on offense. Yeah, and that's where I think I, I'd, I'd be on the other side of that argument that they still could have ran it more. I think when you're up 27 nothing, you know, especially late in that first half, you know, that, that one, the first interception came on a second down, I believe, you know, second and seven. I'm not a huge fan of running on those downs. But when you're up 27 nothing. You know, it might be smart to just trust your run game to, to especially when it was looking good, because you're right. I think Pacheco was looking good the entire game, and obviously the offensive line was too. Andrew Wiley, shout out him. You know, I do think he's he's gelling really well and playing really well at right tackle, especially run blocking wise. I know pass protection is always going to be a struggle, guys. It's just it just is. You know, it, there's not much we can do about that at this point, but at least he's making up for it as he can um, in the run game. I'm really good at those on the backside of zone runs lately I've noticed. Um, and we actually broke that down in the AP film room for anyone interested, but all that to say is, is, is the offense still had a pretty good game, pretty efficient game, you know, move the ball when they needed to all that just outside of those picks. It was really just the picks that, that soured this performance. And, and that's where it's just, you know, the Mahomes, you know, the, the narrative now it's just unfortunate a little bit, right. With, with the, you know, um, it's just three interceptions. I know he had a good game outside of him, but you can't, you can't hide from the three interceptions. That's going to go on your box score. And it actually surprisingly wasn't the first time he's thrown three interceptions in a game, but, um, definitely felt like one of his kind of just one of those, you know, one of the weirdest games of his career. Um, and, and one of those games he was forcing just way too much when he really didn't need to, it's just kind of unfortunate, but 
hey, you know, it, it's going to happen. Not every, you know, you can't be per, you know, the quarterback's not going to be perfect every game. Well, other things about the offense that were not perfect this week in the second half, they had two three and outs. Both of those, they got it to third and one. The first time they tried to throw it to MVS, which was ill advised <laughs> for a number of reasons. And the second one, they tried to run Michael Burton, uh, and everybody in the stadium knew that he was going to get the ball, and it didn't work. So, you know, extending drives, being able to convert on third and one, uh, that's why that feels like it's a big issue because it happened twice in the second half. There was another third and four in the second half that that uh, where Mahomes took a sack. So three three and outs in the second half for this offense. And again, if you look at the overall – you know, score of the game and the flow of the game, uh, you know, you'd feel a lot better about it if they were able to sustain some drives in the second half and, and this, this game wouldn't have been quite as close. Right. No, you're right. It's, it, it just, it's just hard to ignore the fact that they were up 27, nothing. And, and, you know, the mentality that you, it can switch off after that. But, you know, when that game got close, you know, that mentality has got to switch back on. So you're, you're not, you're not wrong. And, and they did get it done in the end, but you know, I, I wish it would have been a little, you know, it would have been a little more comfortable. They, they could have made it a little more comfortable in the second half, even after Denver tightened it to, to six points initially. They, they could have made yeah. it a wider spread. Kind of getting back to this theme about why people feel so bad about this win. Uh, the Chiefs scored 34 points against the Broncos by far. Well, not by far, but definitely the most anybody has scored on the Broncos this year. Uh, the Raiders uh, did beat them 32-23. So that was the only other one uh, that was above 23 points this season. So, yeah, one of those was a defensive touchdown, but they left some offensive touchdowns on the field too that they could have had. So this is a a game where you have a good, you know, you have a good offensive performance against a, a good defense. Uh, this Chiefs defense held this the Broncos team to basically their season average when it comes to yardage in, in the game. Uh, so they didn't do anything spectacular uh, either direction that. You know, Denver didn't. Uh, that was out out of character for them. So this is, you know, certainly you look at the scoreboard and you say they put up 28 against the Chiefs, take one or two of those interceptions off the board, and this is a, you know, this is a 41 to 14 game. Yeah, and, and that is a good point on, on the Denver thing, the, the offense, the yardage thing. I also think one thing is Denver really hasn't ever been down like a – like that much in a game this year because their defense is so good. Every time their offense has been sputtering, it's still been in a competitive game because the defense is so good. They've, they're holding the other offense down and, and still keeping them in the game. There's not a lot of times where they've been just blown out of the water like they were in the first half and then having to play catch up against a defense that's obviously going to be playing softer after that. So, yeah, yeah. no, I, I think there is something to that as well. You know, the, the Chiefs did stop the, the Denver running game. The running backs, you know, had – uh, what is it, 40, 49 total yards rushing. Uh, the, they struggled stopping Russell Wilson running, and that's sort of a long-running theme for the Chiefs is being able to – or struggling being able to stop running quarterbacks. Uh, oh, yeah. So even even old Russ uh, can, <laughs> can still get it done on the ground against uh, this Chiefs defense, which is a little concerning. And I, I'm sure there's a reason for that, Ron, is that the – the aggressiveness of this team, kind of they get upfield and they, they lose contain on a, on a quarterback. Um, a lot of Russell Wilson's runs were on third down. So they he had a third and one, ran for 13 yards, had a third and 11, ran for 14. So if this team on third down is trying to get a lot of pressure and they're blitzing and they're uh, flying up the field, 
you know, all, all, all he has to do is beat that first wave and then he's got free reign. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's some of it, you know, the blitzing, but I do think, and Nate Christensen did a great job of breaking this down on the site for us last week, but I do think the chiefs, the way they've, they built their defensive line, they are kind of susceptible to mobile quarterbacks just because they're all kind of bigger dudes that don't change direction very well. And, 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 you know, turn corners very well. They're, they're more a pocket crushers or, or, you know, um, obviously Chris Jones is a different story, but the rest of these guys, because even like a Frank Clark, you know, he's supposed to be the, the speed kind of edge rush guy. He still doesn't turn a corner very well. He's just, he's just quick off the snap more than anything. Um, I, I think a lot of it, yeah, it does have to do with when the play does break down, they're just not as, as good as maybe other rush, you know, other um, rush schemes, I guess, in the NFL, maybe with, guys that are athletic enough to get off a block and, 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 you know, grab the quarterback before he gets out of containment. Right. I think a lot, you know, a guy like Dunlap isn't going to do that very quickly. A guy like Karloftis isn't going to do that very quickly. And, and so it, it's just kind of natural with the way they built this defensive line group. They're more pocket crushers rather than, you know, athletic, you know, um, you know, just guys and moving guys in space, turn a corner kind of guys. And, and I think it does show up in, in the way they can finish or I should say lack of finishing uh, pass rush snaps. You're saying they need to look for some some guys with low three cone times in the uh, draft this year. A little juice, <laughs> a little bit a of little uh, change of direction. Juice. Yes. Yeah. Well, some yeah. some other things we noticed. Uh, if you stay on the defensive side of the ball, you know that Jerry Judy obviously had uh, some success against this team uh, this week. Eight catches, ninety or seventy three yards, three touchdowns. He beat each of the three rookie cornerbacks once, and. Yeah. It wasn't a dominant performance, I would say, but like, you know, he, uh, he, he was a little bit of a problem there, especially in the red zone. He scored on Joshua Williams by pushing off. He, uh, he definitely beat uh, Watson. Jalen Watson was trailing him in coverage and, and left him open in the end zone. And then there was the play where uh, the, the, the nearest defensive back to him was Trent McDuffie, but I, I think – there was a blown coverage there. There was an assignment missed. Mm-hmm. I think McDuffie felt like he had help there, and there was no help to be found. Uh, whether he had the wrong technique or the uh, you know the wrong play call or whatever, so they struggled a little bit to stop uh, Jerry Judy in the red zone. That was their only, the really the only offensive threat for the the Broncos, other than Russell Wilson running, uh, was was Judy on these uh, intermediate passes, uh, especially in the red zone. Yeah, no, the, the, the corners didn't have their greatest day, which is kind of surprising against a, you know, a pass offense without any life and without Cortland Sutton, too, um, you know, their best receiver, their number one guy. But, you know, I, their young corners are going to have, you know, up and down games. I do think, you know, some of it kind of does have to do with the safety play, maybe. Uh, you know, the safeties are, are, you know, Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill. You know, they've, they're just kind of there a lot of times, right? Um, you know, and I think that does affect the corner. Sometimes it can be a good thing at times, you know, they're in right where they need to be and, and, and they, they can help. But, you know, I, I do think there are times where, you know, this, the lack of playmaking from the safety group can, can hurt the entire defense and, and the corners as well too. I think, you know, even, even just, you know, helping take away a, a quick slant, you know, by reading it and jumping in front of it, right. From a, from a, you know, from coming downhill from that safety position or getting over the top quickly of a, over, you know, a, a, a pass down the field rather than kind of just, you know, being in no man's land because you didn't read it quick enough and the ball, you know, you can't get there, you know, you can't get to the ball. So I do think that has some of to do with, with some of the struggles in the past defense when you see it, because we have seen impressive reps from the past defense too, and, and coverage, you know, these cornerbacks, but 
when you do see some of those issues, it does just remind you that, man, these safeties really don't create turnovers. They really don't ever, you know, defend passes. Um, you, you, Juan Thornhill has been a little more productive, but Justin Reed really never gets his hands on the ball in, in, in pass. And I know he's more of the strong safety than, than Thornhill is. They do rotate him down more. But I think with Spagnuolo's defense, his scheme, his, his strategies – I think he really likes to have a guy that that can you know read def, you know read a play and make a play like Tyron Matthew from that safety position because you can be anywhere on a given play when you play safety right you're in the middle of the field you can be on one side of the other pre snap you can come in the box or be deep and so you're you're kind of and they use a luxurious need in that way a lot um, for sure but you got to have your true safeties do that too and I think that might be some of the difference why you know and and you know some of the the big plays we saw him this week but the lack of big plays for the season. I think some of it has to do with the safeties, maybe not just playing two by the book. I think is I like to put it that way. I just feel like it might just be too, you know, kind of uh, computer generated, just kind of, you know, robotic. Like, all right, I'm going to do my assignment and and not really make any plays outside of that. And I'd like to see, I don't know, I'd like to see either of them kind of, you know, get in on more plays, run or pass against the run or the pass. But yeah, man, uh, the, the two teams that I cover collide coming up on Sunday here in Houston. So, I knew all week long I was going to hit you up to talk about this Houston Texans team because, you know, our, our listeners here on Arrowhead pride to hear you talk about the Chiefs regularly. But, you know, kind of in the background, we we crack jokes kind of on the Houston Texans and ask you how it's going covering that team because, you know, we've been through some rough squads here in Kansas City and it's not always uh, a ton of fun to cover a team that's won 11 and one on the season, but. You do go to virtually every Houston Texans home game. You followed them all season long. So I think you're uniquely qualified uh, to talk about this Houston Texans team in a way that uh, a lot of people around the country probably aren't because it's hard to follow a team uh, with this kind of record all the time. So for our listeners here at Arrowhead Pride, if you had to tell them one thing they need to know about this Houston Texans team this season and that they should know ahead of their matchup against Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday, what would that be? Um, they are a disappointment. <laughs> they are, and, 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 and mind you, like, I believed this team was going to be drafting in the top five and they're a, they're a huge disappointment. Um, uh, they are, they're just, they're just not a good football team. And, and in week 14, they still have, uh, personnel issues in terms of, of people not knowing what they're supposed to be doing. And I mean, on the most important plays of the game, we're in week 14 and we have multiple people going the wrong way uh, uh, on the most important play of the game. That just kind of sums it up with this team. And the injury thing is something to watch for sort of, which uh, I know we'll talk about the Texans. I mean, like you think about it, anybody plays fantasy, you think about anybody that you would potentially even touch with <laughs> fantasy, they are either definitely not going to play or we're really keeping our eyes open for it. I got literally, if you think of like, just start naming the best players you can think of for the Houston Texans. Brandon Cooks hasn't played oh. in two weeks with a calf injury. <laughs> I think Brandon Cooks is pulling a I'm hurt. And I'm not going to play because I don't want to play for this team anymore because he's completely checked out. Uh, Laramie Tunnel is the only player that is worth a damn that you think is any good that will play. Damian Pierce, he's going to be out, and he's been their best weapon uh, all season. He had a high ankle sprain 
he probably will miss at least the next three weeks, probably the rest of the season. Nico Collins has been injured. Derek Stingley Jr., their, their top th- – their so, number three pick. He hasn't played in a month. I mean, this is I – mean, the Texans I, are bad, and then their best players aren't playing. So I, I want to get into all the injuries that you just rattled off because there is a lot there. And, yeah, it, it is – for – Chiefs fans who probably aren't exactly following the Houston Texans very closely this season. Like I try to follow every NFL team and even me, I only have like a handful of Houston Texans off the top of my head and almost all of them are injured right now. But I want to get into that here in a second, but I got to ask you what Houston was doing last week against the Dallas Cowboys. They did give the Dallas Cowboys a scare in week 14. And like they, they almost pulled off the biggest upset of the entire NFL season while deploying two quarterbacks, Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll were splitting time last week against the Dallas Cowboys. And now Lovey Smith did confirm that's going to be their approach moving forward the rest of the way this season. So chiefs fans are going to see a little dual quarterback from this Houston Texans offense on Sunday. Yeah, they had a mixture. And, and, and to be honest, uh, we'll see how it goes. I, I think they clearly, clearly caught the Cowboys off guard. Um, and and what they did, they took their pass rush out of the game. They took uh, Micah Parsons out of the game. And they mixed in Davis Mills, who had his best performance of the year. Even the interception he threw was on a Hail Mary, uh, in, in which if you go back and watch it, it's the most hilarious Hail Mary. It's as if all of the Texans players, their goal is to run as far away from the ball as possible. <laughs> go back. Seriously, do, go laugh. Go get, You want to laugh? Go watch the Hail Mary. There are seven Dallas Cowboys fighting for the interception, and there is not a Houston Texan close. Like, I don't know where they're going. But anyway, he, it was Davis Mills, his best game, splitting time. They, they put Davis Mills, and then they introduced a little bit of the old Drizzy Cat. That's uh, that's what they call it, the uh, the old Jeff. Driscoll. That's what they call Jeff Driscoll. Uh, we just developed it yesterday <laughs> in the show, a little Drizzy Cat. Um, either either the wild Jeff Driscoll Cat, and now we've slid it down to the old Drizzy Cat. Um, but they but it's the best their quarterback situation has, has been. Uh, the week before against the Browns, Kyle Allen fumbled a uh, a a quarterback sneak for a touchdown. I mean, do you understand how hard that is to do? fumble a quarterback sneak and then fumble it so far that a team picks it up and returns it for a touchdown. And then he threw a screen for a touchdown. I mean, these are, these are two elementary things for quarterbacks that, that you shouldn't do. So they had their best game um, from their quarterback position. They were combined 20, 21 of 27 touchdown pass over 200 yards ran for, for 40 yards or so between the two of them, their best game. But it was the craziest thing is, Pep Hamilton has been a horrible offensive coordinator uh, throughout, but even in his brightest moment, and that was his best game in terms of creativity, when the game mattered, then we saw why everybody should be fired. The game yeah. mattered. First, they get, they get an interception. They're up three, first and goal, inside of five minutes, inside the five. Four plays they run, three of them. Rex Burkhead was the primary person to touch the ball of three out of the four plays and including fourth and goal. They call a timeout before fourth down. They come out three different people either lined up wrong, blocked wrong, or ran the wrong way. On the most important play of the game, there was enormous confusion on fourth down out of a timeout. 
And after, it just like after getting an interception inside the 10 yard line. But just just seriously, you call timeout, fourth and goal, three different people don't know the play or don't know their assignment to just ruin the play. And then they gave up a 98 yard drive to to lose the game. But that was just, I mean, it was their best moment in terms of game plan offensively. And they obviously caught them off guard. Um, with the two quarterback system and how they employed the run game. But then when it mattered most, you just saw the major flaws of this coaching staff and the team. So I want to ask you about these pass catchers um, because offensively, like you mentioned Damian Pierce, who looks like he is a really talented rookie running back. Like it looks like they, they hit that draft pick. Like he is going to be a playmaker for them down the line. If they can ever uh, get the situation fixed a little bit in Houston, but Brandon Cooks, probably on the way out, right? I would have to imagine he wanted to get traded at the trade deadline. It did not wind up happening, and he's obviously upset about that. Then he's been banged up and not playing. You mentioned you think he's just, I'm not healthy and I'm not fighting through it. Well, so he's, he's, checked. he's checked He's checked out. They, yeah. they, uh, they, he was the, the leader of the team. They asked him, you know, what do you see about the culture? He then said, I don't know anything about the culture. You have to ask the GM. So, uh, so, I mean, he's completely checked on out this thing. Well, and, you know, he is still right now their leading wide receiver on the season, but he hasn't exactly, even when he's been healthy, Brandon Cooks hasn't been the kind of playmaker no. that he, he's shown to be in the past. But a second-year wide receiver, Nico Collins, was having a nice year prior to being out last week and missing that game against the Dallas Cowboys, but he's kind of been – the Houston Texans' top wide receiver this season, and also wide receiver Chris Moore, who has been kind of around the league for a few years now, but he's kind of been their go-to guy offensively. He's coming off a 10-catch, 124-yard performance against a very talented Dallas Cowboys defense. Like, I haven't seen the injury report yet this week. I don't know who's going to be available for the Houston Texans as far as the pass catchers go, but it would seem like Nico Collins and Chris Moore are probably the only guys that the Chiefs secondary really need to worry about. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say this. Nico Collins, if he does play, like I said last week, he, he missed. Um, and he's missed several games this year. We'll see if he if he's able to go with the foot issue. Um, but he he's taken a step. They did get uh, Amari Rodgers from the Packers. And he actually got his first action in the last game. And he he showed he showed pretty, pretty good play. Caught a, a, a touchdown pass in which he went up and, and made a play caught a couple of other balls around 60 yards he looks promising I'm going to tell you this though and and this is this is to me um what what they're going to run out Philip Dorsett is a guy they don't really use a lot but he'll be he'll be out there as well um but their best pass threat is uh is Jordan Akins and at the tight end spot and it's not like it it's not just that he's just their best tight, you know, pass. Then George Aikens start the year on a different team. Yeah, I mean they let him go, but I, but, but listen, I'm going to tell you, like, no, seriously, like Jordan Aikens is he's not just good for the Texans. Like Jordan Aikens is a pretty solid tight end, and he he is their biggest mismatch, and he has this ability to run after the catch. Um, like, I'm not saying that he is Kelsey. He is in that mode though, right? He is not. He's a guy that that is a more athletic tight end that you split out. And and to me, he is easily their best pass threat. He would be the one that I would watch. Now, he wasn't really involved last week um, uh, in their game plan. But to me, if you were to say who is the number one pass threat 
that they have to worry about. And I'm talking if everybody was fully healthy, Cooks um, and, and, and Nico Collins, number 88, Jordan Akins is, is the one. But the Chiefs should be able to handle him, but he is the one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pacheco is important. McKinnon's important. And the Kansas City running backs, each of them are going to have a role. Even Rojo. And uh, Andy Reid said that he, they, he still feels like he's an important part of the team. I thought that was cool. Yeah, no, 100%. I think um, also one reason why he's able to stay fresh so often is because, if you notice, they don't use him that much the first half of the season. Like, especially when CEH was still in the fold, there were yeah. people asking, where is McKinnon? Why is he not getting used that much? And they did the same thing last year. Like, he didn't really get used until the last few weeks of the year. And then, obviously, in the playoffs, he had a major role uh, at, at that point. So I think they do a good job of keeping him fresh early on and then bringing him on as the season goes on. And then he's a guy that you're going to worry about, especially in the playoffs. And I think the main thing is how to use him in the passing game. I mean, the guy had seven catches for over 100 yards. Those are receiving number stats for, like, a wide receiver, not a running back. Obviously, a lot of that came on that. Uh, Mahomes magic play but still man he's a guy that's been consistent in the passing game and I think it was a big adjustment that we saw despite the picks I know you can't take it away once again but Mahomes did do a good job of checking down which people were yelling at him about in the Cincinnati game that he didn't do now you got a game where McKinnon has seven catches Pacheco had a catch or two as well so you know I I know people are going to talk about the picks and it's cool to mention that but you know, I do think there were good things that came from this game, not only offensively, but defensively as well. Like I said, they had six sacks, man. So, you know, the final result wasn't what people wanted to see, especially after being up 27 to nothing. It looked yeah. like they were going to go ahead and win, uh, cover my spread easily. <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> later. I mean, when they're up 27 to nothing, I'm like, oh, this is the easy cover. This is the easy cover, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk defense in a second, too. A, a couple numbers that stand out. Obviously, the winning streak over Denver now up to 14 in a row. Mark, the Broncos have not beaten the Chiefs in a football game since September 2015. The Obama administration. <laughs> Travis what? Kelsey also broke, also broke some key milestones. Fastest to 10,000 receiving yards, and uh, Kansas City wins. 10,000, or excuse me, wow. Kansas City wins 10 games in a, in a season, 10 or more games for the eighth straight year. And I think Kelsey also is at seven years with a thousand. That's what I was with the, the last one. But any any one of those stand out? I feel like every week we get a new we get a new Chiefs number or Chiefs record or Kelsey did this, Mahomes did this. Uh, what, what, what's your reaction to that? My reaction is just don't take this for granted, man. This stuff isn't normal. And sometimes I'm a victim of it as well because you see all these records broken, especially with Mahomes every week. He's the first to do this in so, so amount of games. And like you're kind of getting numb to it at a certain point. But sometimes you got to just sit back and really digest it and be like, this is not normal. This is not supposed to happen, especially with Andy Reid, the 10 straight wins every single year, the Kelsey numbers that you just mentioned seven straight years of a thousand yards 
this stuff is not normal. This is why this big three, Kelsey, Mahomes, and Andy Reid, will go down as one of the greatest of all time from an offensive standpoint, especially if they can win another ring or two. I think you're really going to a different era of a category, right? Because you got one that's great. You've been the four straight AFC title games. But if you can get that second one, then you have different conversations. I love how the big three is is now Kelsey, <laughs> Mahomes, and Reed. Like you have altered the big, the altered the big three to fit your narrative. I, I love how that works. Let's talk about Kansas defense as we put a bow here on Chiefs Denver. Mark Gunnels, Aaron Ladd, Arrowhead Pride uh, Podcast Network, episode thirty six. Appreciate y'all rocking with us through the technical difficulties. My question is simple, Mark: Are you worried about Kansas City's defense, especially allowing a season high twenty eight points uh, to the Denver Broncos and a struggling Russell Wilson? I mean, we were talking before this game about oh, Russell Wilson is mid. Russell Russell Wilson can't do this and that. This should be an easy game. Yada yada. Um, are you worried about KC's defense? Yeah, I mean, if you put a meter on it, one to ten, I would say my worry level is about a six. About that sounds like yellow. That sounds like yellow light to me. Eh, it's it's closer to a seven. It's closer to a seven than a six. Let me say that. It's like orange. It's like an orange. Yeah, it's like it's like six point eight. I just want to be technical. Uh, my main concern is the safeties, Justin mm. Reed, and Juan Thornhill. You're not getting much playmaking from those guys. You're not getting the, the ball hawking that you were expecting. You're not seeing that veteran leadership. I'm actually more comfortable, and this is probably crazy to say, I feel more better about the young rookie corners than I do the safeties right now because they're not taking good angles on tackling. They're not making plays on the football. I mean, I mean, I, you don't even notice them out there a lot of times. You don't even notice them making plays at all, right? And, you know, the – the, the flip side to that is, well, it's better than Daniel Sorensen, but that's terrible. If we got to just say it's better than Daniel Sorensen, if that's the bar, that's not good because it doesn't take much to be better than Daniel Sorensen. And that's what most Chiefs fans are saying. Well, it's better than Dirty Dan. That's not good. It's not good, man. And I never thought I would be at the point where I'm saying I would probably would have rather seen Tyron Matthew on this team. I because, knew you were going to. I knew. Because, I mean, even though he wasn't making plays tackling, at least he'll make a couple of plays on the ball. I These thought you were going to say on the timeline. On the ball. So, I don't know, man. It, it's very discouraging. Uh, Juan Thornhill's a free agent after this year. I highly doubt he's going to be brought back, especially since they they drafted Brian Cook. Seems like a replacement there for me. You're stuck with Justin Reed for the next couple of years. You just got to hope. He gets better. He makes plays. But you got to be discouraged what you're seeing from that safety room because before the year, there was pretty high expectations there. I mean, Juan Thornhill said to you guys in the media that he was looking to be an all-pro this year. Uh, that's definitely not going to happen. Think the Aaron tackling definitely – the tackling has been an issue, game in and game out. And sometimes they just gotten away with it, man. I, I think recently it's been exposed more and more. Um, you, you talked about the – you talked about the – the young DBs being able to come up and make tackles. Obviously, Snead's been one of their, their more shorthanded tacklers for a while. But I think the one thing that that's get away is, as you mentioned earlier, the sacks. Kansas City fourth in the league with 42 sacks. 
and then limiting some of the big plays, some of their the, some of their opponents not being able to get those big explosive plays. Or on the year, KC opponents only have forty two plays of over twenty yards. That's good for seventh in the league. And then if you limit that to just the last eight games, that's plays of twenty yards or more. Only twenty four of those. That's still eighth in the league, top ten. So the one thing that I am asking from this defense, besides the besides the sacks and limiting the big plays, is getting the turnovers. And we'll talk about the show just to asked about that in the in the aftermath of the game this week and Cincinnati as well Kansas City only has 14 takeaways a year that's bottom half of the league 23rd in the league uh for for takeaways the one thing that would worry me about the Chiefs defense going from in this late half of the regular season into playoffs is their ability to generate turnovers because th- those change the game I know your quarterback's not going to throw three picks every game Mark Gunnels and and in those games you would especially like to generate some more takeaways um but you you would ask consistently, hey, get us the ball, get us a possession here, get us the ball here. We know we know special teams hasn't been a plus. We know special teams sometimes can be a minus, uh, and they might lose you a possession. Defense, uh, more takeaways is the is the one thing I would ask for them. Yeah, hundred percent. Especially when your defense isn't that good at getting stops without turnovers, it can kind of mask your weaknesses that you have defensively, right? And then also getting sacks, which I thought was one thing they did do well. Uh, this past week, they got six sacks. You know, those are uh, not turnovers, but they can kill drives, right? You could get yeah. guys uh, off script, get them in second and third and long, especially against a team that's limited offensively, like Denver, who has to stay on schedule to move the ball. So I do think that was a bright side. And they still are top 10 in sacks uh, in the league on the season. So that is one bright spot. But like you mentioned, I do want to see more turnovers. They got a couple on this Sunday. So hopefully that can kind of, you know, turn the leaf on the turnover luck. Cause a lot of the turnovers is luck, right? A lot of luck that goes into it, you know, fumbles, you know, I don't know if it's a majority luck though. Sometimes it's being in the right place at the right time, creating chaos in the pocket, you know, doing a lot of the stuff that that's being coached up. Well, yeah, no, I'm not saying it's majority luck, but you see times where you can get a, you can get a guy to fumble, but do you recover it or not? You may not get the recovery or Trent McDuffie. He dropped the pick on the first drive of the game. On, on Sunday against Denver. So things like that, you got to, you could be in position and still not get the turnover. So, you know, I, I do think there is a factor of luck in there. I'm not saying majority, but, you know, I do think it can turn around here. I think, you know, getting a couple on Sunday and now you're playing a Houston team who's obviously not trying to win football games right now. Maybe you can get another couple of turnovers this week. All right. Uh, we do this every week when the Chiefs have the ball. Um, I'm not going to get cute with it. Uh, they should dominate this in any fashion they want. Uh, th- this is this is a team that I've watched every second of every one of their games. Both of these teams, I've watched every second of every one of both of these teams' games, the Chiefs and the Texans. Uh, if the Texans were 100% healthy, uh, they would they would have a fight and an issue. Just the way that their defenses ran, and Lovey Smith is pretty stubborn and stays in it. Um, it is just inviting things that the Chiefs do well. Oh, let's leave the middle of the field as the vulnerable spots in the defense. Okay, Juju and Travis. Um, they, I mean, the, everything that they do. This is, and I, and I don't mean this uh, with any kind of hyperbole. This is the worst run defense I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's rough. It's rough. I mean, they just get run through. I mean, I watched 
uh, in the stadium, the Tennessee Titans refused to throw the ball in the second half, and they still got ran through like it was nobody's business. It, 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 I mean, they're they're bad at, at that. And then when you come in this game in terms of their pass defense, they are missing their two starting corners, including Steven Nelson, who has been really good this year. I, I know many Chiefs fans remember Steven Nelson as the handsy fella who is good for one to two uh, illegal contacts or holdings. He's actually been pretty good. Steve Nelson's had a fine NFL career. He was pretty good in Pittsburgh. He was yeah. all right in Kansas City. Yeah, he was a guy that was a penalty waiting to happen, though. He was a, a handsy fellow. Uh, but he's played really, really well this year. He's been their best corner. But he and uh, and Derek Stingley Jr., they are both potentially out of this game. Uh, and uh, they haven't practiced all week. So those are two starting corners. And and their depth at that is is awful. So the Chiefs are going to probably put them in a lot of eleven personnel, which is, you know, they're, they're going to have three receivers and, and and Travis or 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 Travis and 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 two receivers and maybe Forts and whatever. They're going to have problems in a major way. So yes, the Chiefs can run the ball and run up the score if they want to, or they can pass the ball. The Texans have been dominated either way. Uh, this should be, to me, one of their best offensive performances we see all year. And they should be motivated, too. That's the other That's thing another here. Part. Is like you're coming off of a week where, whether you agree with me or Ron, wherever you stand on what took place last week, it, it clearly was a bad game by Patrick Mahomes. And he's coming in here in Houston. By the way, he's from the state of Texas. Um, I would imagine he's going to be as motivated as you possibly can be to play against a team as poor as the Houston Texans are. So I think you're going to see a lot of the passing game having success. But I also would like to see what they're going to do on the ground, Ron, because one of the questions that I've had about this team in recent years is what do they do when the other team knows they're going to run it? Can they run in those situations? Third and short, fourth and short, now down near the goal line. Those like big money time packages where, all right, time to see if you can out physical the man in front of you. They've really struggled at times in the past, and they've really struggled specifically at the in those situations this year. Pacheco last week ended that game with an exclamation point. And that was one of those moments where I was like, all right. Maybe they've got something here in those big moments where they need a runner to be able to get them a few hard yards. I want to see that again this week. I don't know how many of those situations are going to arise, but I would hope that they've got a few third and shorts in this game. And when they get them, you should be able to dominate because this is an awful, awful uh, run defense. Next week's no different. Seattle's terrible against the run as well. So these are a couple of weeks where the running game should be able to get going. Yeah, if they don't run the ball well, Serta, to me it's, because they've chosen not to. Yeah. Well, and I wouldn't be shocked if they did that because they do that pretty regularly and it it doesn't seem to matter what the matchup is, but this is a game where and I, I think Isaiah Pacheco has been good recently and a lot more impressive, at least more impressive than I thought he was early on in the season. Like it, it looks like he is developing, he's starting to see the field a little bit better and he just runs hard as hell. And we knew that out of the gate, that that's how he plays. But this is a game where 
I'd like to see some of that athleticism finally just explode and, and pop off and see him finally have a big game. We saw Jarek McKinnon get more involved last week. I think that's going to be something that they try to work on moving forward because, man, that screen game, when they get it going, it's, it's hard to stop. So th- this is a game where you don't want to show a lot, but you shouldn't have to show a lot to find success anyway. And listen, man, I'm trying. I'm not trying to be. I, I'm just being completely honest. Uh, and I've done. A, I've, I've talked to a lot of people this week about this game, and I mean, it's just. I mean, it's just is what it is. Uh, to me, th- this ought to write. What would have been the best offensive performances? Arizona. Um, who else did they beat the hell out of? They they just ran up. This shit. Whatever the Arizona one, they were in the forties. That one. Talking about the Bucks and the 49ers? The Bucks, the the Bucks, 49ers too. Like, it should be up into that range. This should be up in that range. And and Chad Haney should be in this game. Uh, You're you're calling this the way that I did against the Rams. Yeah, I mean, mean, the Rams had Aaron Donald, man. I mean, they had Aaron Donald and Ramsey. Who who is the Texans' best player that's expected to be active this week, Ron? Laramie Tunzel is their best player. (laughs) Um, uh, but he, he's I mean, hurt though, right? Isn't he hurt? No, he's just, nah, he was just sick. Nah, no, Laramie okay. Tunzel, like Laramie Tunzel, seriously, might be a first team all pro. He, I mean, who's their best non offensive lineman? Not uh, a um, different way, especially if we're as we're talking about the Chiefs when the Chiefs have the ball. Jalen Petrie has really come on. The the rookie from um, I like from him. Baylor. I he had a he had a he had a rough patch there. They've been playing a more deeper in the back end at free safety. I wanted the Chiefs to draft him. He's a good player. He's, uh, he's played. He started to play really, really well uh, the last, I'd say, the last three weeks. Um, so he's been impressive for them. Christian Harris, linebacker, another young guy, has started to. You can tell he's just different from everybody else in terms of what he could do. I will say the thing to watch in this game, if we're looking for things when the Chiefs have the ball, is Jerry Hughes. He's 108, um, but he's number 55. He has given offensive tackles problems at times. He's got eight sacks, I think, uh, this year. He And, and we understand what has happened. I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, Orlando Brown has been beat by far players worse than Jerry Hughes, and and they'll move him uh, from, from either side. So, oh, Sam, Sam Wiley, you got to look at it too. Um, they've uh, – so he could cause some problems. So that'll be an interesting watch to see how they handle handle how they handle Jerry Hughes. Yeah, and this is another game where you're probably going to want to see Orlando Brown Jr. under the microscope because, hey, I I know we've got our jokes and hey, I've, I've been leading the pack on it. He played yeah. well last week. He, he played he played well last week. Credit where it's due. Back it up. Do it again. Do it again this week and then do it again the rest of the season because, let's be honest, the teams that you're playing the rest of the season are not particularly good, and hopefully he's able to then capitalize on it with a little bit more confidence going into the playoff run. But this is a game where you need him to come up big. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 